Welcome to another episode of The Plastics Podcast, a show where two wankers try to understand what's going on in the wide world of soccer. You're joined by me, Jacob Burke, my co-host, Blair Lacrosse. Hello. Blair Waves. And our producer-in-chief, Maddie Gaylor. What's up? With the mic. Woo-woo. Coming off a victory in El Salvador, the U.S. suffer a collapse in Canada with hopes of hyping up for Honduras. The boys, and Maddie talk about their reactions to the games, where we think the U.S. is as a team, and some idle January transfer conversation. Maddie, you've got the mic. I do. It's, it's big time for me today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's always big time, because you're the one that basically runs the show. Well, yeah, but... I, uh, I'm front and center today. You are front. You are literally front in, and center. I could be in yeah. reels. I mean, like you week. are front and center almost well, every episode, yeah, but this you know. time also with the mic. It's uh, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, kind of a lot, and yet nothing to talk about this episode. Fears, um, fears. So I'm just gonna cut the chit chat with the small talk. All right, because. I think we've got two rather lengthy conversations to get through. Uh, we're going to start with the international break. The United States men's national team is on a three-game trot here against El Salvador, then Canada, then Honduras. Uh, the U.S. has played two games at this point, El Salvador at home and Canada away. And we are going to uh, start the conversation with those three games. And then some pretty casual transfer conversations Keeping um, it cash. Yeah, nothing too analytical or in-depth. Just some impressions, reactions, idle gossip, maybe. Ew. And then, you know, back to your regularly scheduled programming, hopefully next week. We'll see. That's a bit in flux next week, but we'll get to that. So uh, we'll start the conversation off. USA 1, El Salvador nil. Manny, this was a pretty standard game from the U.S. as far as things go. An easy uh, victory, I think most people would say. Uh, what are your impressions? What are your thoughts? I was kind of shocked with the lineup. Uh, I mean, they put a striker in who I had never even seen play before. and That striker being Jesus uh, Ferreira. Jesus Ferreira. I thought first half is your typical United States first half. Kind of chaotic, not much happening, couple of chances. I, I don't think El Salvador really had like any amazing chances, I guess. But we're a second half team and we always we always pull through in the yep. second half and that's what we hinge our Usually, All of our yeah, hopes and dreams on. And we can, we can talk about more about the second half identity we've seemed to have landed on as mm -hmm. a team uh, later. But yeah, you're right. The U.S. definitely looked the superior team here. Uh, mm -hmm. According to Stats Perform, 2.98 XG against El Salvador's 0 0.2. Whoa. Um, almost every single shot from El Salvador coming outside the box. And Matt Turner being more than capable of handling or it going totally wide. And the uh, the U.S. looked looked good. I would say they looked okay. I thought they looked good. Personally. I didn't come away from the game going wow, wow, 
What an amazing team of players we look like. Yeah, I, so the U.S. has this uh, very cool, fun thing where they encapsulate almost all aspects of... They're like the Avatar. They have these different incarnations of themselves in their past lives or the past teams, and they can almost encapsulate that all in a single game sometimes, and this is what the U.S. did in El Salvador. Uh, the U.S. is easily, easily scored on in a counter. It's just been a theme that has been with us since the dawn of the millennium. And uh, that's when El Salvador looked the most dangerous, when uh, you know we would try and push up, try and put some pressure way up high in their uh, last third, and then El Salvador would just rush forward on us and you know get a shot off that it would go off, and in the moment it would look threatening, but then it would go wide. So that's definitely something that we showed there. And I, I mean, I... I think uh, you, among the three of us here, are the most vocal in your <laughs> reactions during the game. So you, I think, uh, you know, you could definitely hear you uh, complaining about the U.S. defense. Uh, is there any particular player that stuck out to you as a, uh, a liability on this game or maybe even a star? I was hopeful about he- Jesus Ferreira. Yes. He was very fast. I, I was very hopeful, and then he skied two balls just straight to the heavens and dashed our hopes with two good opportunities that he could have put away. I don't think – I think Blair and I were talking during the second half, and we said that McKinney was playing like he was too good for El Salvador. Okay. He was trying to show up this entire team by playing a singular game when playing and passing out of trouble should have been happening. Yeah. So I'm sure you're referring to the point where there's this moment in the game um, in the first half, I believe McKinney's like surrounded by some El Salvadorians and he does like some fake step overs and tries to, you know, like it happened multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. And it's you have ten yeah. other players on the field, and they might all not be showing for you, but dribbling straight into trouble to try and get yourself out because you think you can is not yeah. the way you should play, and it shows just how much of a team we are not looking like. Maybe taking uh, one too many lessons from his teammate Federico Chiesa, but uh, I hope that you know, it, it, despite McKenney having those moments where he just looks like he's on the practice field trying to impress some uh, bystanders. I think he was the best player on that field in the game. Unfortunately, probably true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you say, so you say, unfortunately, so I want to kind of dive in on this because I thought the U S did really well, especially <laughs> your boy Walker My Zimmerman. Boy. You, oh, you've been I back in Walker Zimmerman. Uh, I, since the I beginning. Am, I'm a Walker Zimmerman stand yeah. and fan I didn't think you thought Walker Zimmerman had a good game. No, I, th- I thought he had a fine game. I thought he had a perfectly fine game. The, the thing is, with the defense especially, uh, they didn't have a whole lot to do because the yeah. U.S. was constantly pressuring El Salvador into the second half of the field. The nice thing about him is he's so tall that during corner kicks, they push him up and aim for him because he is like the perfect target to aim for. He's he's tall. He can get a decent header. Okay. But yeah, I did think he had a good day, a uh, good game. I thought Christian Pulisic didn't in okay. either of these games. Right. And 
I said, unfortunately, that uh, McKinney was our best player because I really didn't think he was. They didn't play like a team. You know, for against El Salvador. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, that, I mean, so I think. Yeah, I, I guess I think they played like a pretty good team against El Salvador. I think we're disagreeing on that game, but that's just kind of. I think it's tough because we're talking about this right after the Canada game. Uh, spoiler alert: Canada emotions. won against the USA two to nothing, and we got to get to that later because I'm trying to isolate just this game. Yep, you know, it's kind of impossible now that the result has happened. Yep. So, but you you liked Zimmerman. He didn't have a lot to do. I thought obviously man of the match, Anthony Jedi Robinson. Scored the the goal, the only goal of that game uh, in the fifty second minute. Um, there's some crazy chaos in the box, and it's either Jesus Ferrer or Timothy Weah tries to do this really wild bicycle kick, and totally fluffs it. Uh, just kind of kicks it to the side. Anthony pounces on it. I'm sorry, Jedi pounces on it and kicks it home to the goal. Great identity piece for the United States team because that's just encapsulates this national team as a whole, pouncing and thriving in the chaos of a CONCACAF soccer. And it, it, I think it showed, one, uh, Anthony uh, has been on a scoring run. He, he carries the farm of Fulham FC in the championship to the United States team. And it's just, uh, it's it's great to see the uh, left back just solidify his start here because he was really good. Uh, I only have like a couple of criticisms for him, most namely being he, he tends to pinch too far in the middle when defending. And that kind of lets some of these El Salvadorian uh, forwards uh, get get too far and get too much space and get some opportunities. But honestly, minor notes because he had a great game uh, and he really solidified his left back starting spot. Him and Sergio Dest had good games. Um, let's move on from the defense though because uh, we talked about it. I want to talk about uh, both Timothy Way and Christian Pulisic here. Uh, you said Christian Pulisic had a bad game. Uh, do you think he was marked out too much by El Salvador or he's just been bad as a player overall? I have it it's it's a lack of excitement and creativity from him that I've noticed during this specific run and I think they mark him they marked him very very well because of you know the the lore that comes with Christian Pulisic and yeah I always call him the prince that was promised maybe that's a bit too much expectation for him but yes continue so i think the combination of whatever is going on inside of his head and the constant coverage resulted in a subpar match in both of them and he just doesn't seem like he's really a threat okay now, I think, you know, if he didn't have so much coverage, he might have been able to get a few shots off, been able to do a little bit more. So the the coverage definitely played a huge role in it. But something yep. just feels off yep. in the way he's playing, in the way he's looking mm-hmm. for the ball, in, in like the, the reactions within his teammates. He just seems very stoic and emotionless. Which I agree. Is, different from him. Yeah, no, you're totally, you nailed, the, nailed it right on the head there. He's uh, He's just... He's in a funk. We said that yeah. during the game today, and he's just not—he's not offering that that centerpiece which the U.S. orbit around normally. Um, no. When politics inform, like the entire field comes alive, and he directs it. He, he is like, the director. The, the ball wants to come to him, and mm-hmm. he just—he just offers this like dynamic 
tricky winger play and even drops deep and becomes this uh, this quarterback for the U.S. And he just wasn't there. Not for El Salvador, not for Canada. And maybe, you know, we hope it changes for Honduras if he starts. And, you know, people hypothesizing whether this is because of Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea or because of uh, just his situation as a player for that uh, in that locker room. But, you know, that's just all we can do is idly speculate with that one. So I think it's best not to dive too deep. But, yes, I agree Pulisic could do better. Let's move on to Tim Weah, largely absent. Uh, had some great pace on the wings and was able Super to fast. get into positions, but not able to then take the ball and turn that threat into an opportunity. Yeah. I mean, he, he was he was on the field. I feel like you could say this about a lot of the players. They were on the field. They were going through the motions, but the creativity, the inspiration wasn't found. Yep. He, he didn't have a terrible game. Just, you know, as a wide forward uh, that was tied in, you know, uh, bit of a bit of a legacy riding on his shoulders, too, is the uh, son of, you know, George Weah. So, oh, yeah, yeah, no totally. pressure. Uh, but he he had uh, three shots. Uh, one on, one off, one blocked. And I think maybe against that team like El Salvador, you got to pump those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers, kids. got to pump those up. Pump them up. Yeah. I have a question Go for on. both of you. Oh, well, okay. So Blair can answer. Can <laughs> this is just for back? Blair. Yeah. Do you think, so a lot of the players that are playing for the United States right now have been – they were MLS players like, you know, two weeks ago and have now since been bought by a couple different clubs within Europe. So this is their first time back since starting with the new clubs and they are learning totally new systems. They are learning totally new ways to play. Um, and to go from MLS to Europe back to the States, three different systems of playing three different tactics. Do you think the confusion and the lack of creativity is just because they're purely overwhelmed with the amount that they, uh, different coaches they have to play for, different uh, tactics that they have to play with. Yeah, I mean, that's a good question um, because of the transfers, but I I was just looking at the starting lineups for both games, and I don't see any MLS2 European players on the, on the field. I think the only one is Pepe in this case, but he was a sub. In both instances, you know, it's tough because I don't know what sort of it, it, it. A lot of this really hinges on what Greg is telling these guys. And just we aren't there for that. We aren't there to hear that. And we aren't here to see, you know, let's let's talk about Christian Pulisic headliner, big guy for the U.S. He is the United States. You know, he's the poster boy. And so you've got Tuchel and uh, he was transferred in during the Lampard era, I think. So he's gone from Lampard to Tuchel, and in between that, he's shuffled to Bert Halter, right? So three systems, but he's he's done fine. He it's it's not so much a, I think a way it's not so much the tactics, right? Because the players they're not there to see you know they're 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 part of the team. They're not the the guy that's looking at the spreadsheet, looking at the the heat maps, and saying okay, this is what we got to do differently. They are there to do to be part of the cog in the machine. And so as long as they can focus on that, they're fine. I think the tactical systems that they're trying to absorb from each respective manager doesn't factor as much into how they're playing. Uh, I think it's more of 
how they are coinciding with each other because well this this bleeds into the Canada Canada game I, and I guess we can transition to that because Maddie has passed the mic over to Blair at this point um, but we didn't see any cohesion from the Uni- United States men here let's move on to Canada to the USA zero uh, Blair you can answer Maddie's question as well uh, yeah I think I think the tactics that we're trying to use as a national team are maybe slightly Ill- ill-advised in that I think this is something that requires a lot of time together as a team and a lot of training ground work to get your partnerships right and, you know, get your patterns of play right, like we were talking about during the game. And as a national team, you don't really have that luxury. So if you want to play, like, nice possession soccer um, in a a 4-3-3, like a Manchester City would or something, you need to have these movements drilled into your brain over like thousands of repetitions of, of doing the same things with the, the same teammates over and over again. And you just don't have that luxury as a national team. So I just, I think that what we're doing is, is really tricky. It's really difficult to do. Um, and like, if you watch how Canada play, their identity is pretty simple. They defend their stout defensive team and then they counter with their quick uh, forwards. And when they have Alfonso Davies back, they will be a pretty lethal uh, threat doing that so I think it's much easier to organize a national team around that kind of identity if you watch Euros too teams play a lot of uh, back threes or back fives depending on how you want to look at it they play pretty defensive soccer and I think it's basically just an acknowledgement from these team managers that they kind of have to be cautious in a sense um, because they don't really get to coach really pretty soccer um uh, like a club manager might. So that's my two cents. Greg's usual MO with international games is these balls over defensive lines. He loves a ball that goes over. And so you would see this in Canada, especially since we just watched it and it's fresh in my head that we would try and play the Canadian defense would simply kick it away. It's easy. You don't have to think about it. There's no thought to how to play from the back for Canada because their entire threat came on a counter. You don't really play out of the back on a counter. You just boot the first person you see and you keep going, right? And so it's, it's just this mind-numbing, fast-paced, you know, lightning soccer that the U.S. couldn't handle on two occasions, uh, one of which... Granted, we were down to down a man because of an injury in the second. I mean, in the first, you know, maybe Matt Turner should have saved Blair. First goal came in the seventh minute. John David uh, passed it to Kyle Laren after Miles Robinson just didn't mark him for whatever reason. Uh, you know, watching the replay, Miles is just walking. And uh, Kyle shoots it wide to Matt Turner's right. Matt Turner gets a hand on it, goes past Matt Turner just transferred to Arsenal, and he's going to be the new number two there. Mm-hmm. Should he have saved that? <laughs> I'm going to lay this on a platter Why you for you. ask it like that? Like, um, like, I think he should have saved it, but him transferring to Arsenal, I don't really feel like that has like, much to do with it, to be uh, honest. So I mostly said that because you're the Arsenal fan, <laughs> okay. and I wanted to paint it in a personal context for you. It wasn't I, meant I, as a dig okay. to Arsenal. I'm okay. sorry. Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, like that was a bad moment from uh, the future yeah. Arsenal failure, Matt, <laughs> Matt Turner. 
Um, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I think it was a, a shot that he probably should have saved. Yes, and I'm very disappointed in Matt Turner. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's okay. So normally the, the, the Plastics Podcast likes to have these beautifully annotated notes on the game. And for Canada... It's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a ghost mine. What was, what's the word? It's a, it's a ghost town. Ghost, it's a ghost it's not mine. a minefield, not a ghost mine. It's a ghost town. Jeez. Let's. What do you think? Do you think Matt Turner should have saved it? Yes. I think Matt Turner should yeah, have saved should, it. Most valuable it. player in the MLS last season. His advertising point as a goalkeeper is to save these kinds of shots to prevent high percentage XG chances from going through. You saw it when he was when Kyle, when there was a point where Matt Turner was down on the ground after a save from Kyle from John David, Kyle Laren runs forward on the rebound and is able to get another shot off. Matt Turner holds a hand up in desperation and gets that off. Um, it's it's in those kinds of moments that he is able to save the ball, and it's the the goal he let in was an easier save than the second one he made. So I I think he, he yeah. Hundred percent should have saved it. I mean, you can see he gets his hands on it, and it's just—it's frustrating to watch. Uh, the second one, it's not his fault. Uh, there's nothing he could have done about that. I think I'll say this as uh, an apologist. I'll, I'll be the guy to do it. That if you watch the first shot, it's kind of dipping pretty hard, and I think what happens in these really cold weather environments is that the like the surfaces of your gloves and the ball become kind of slippery. And so, like, maybe he just kind of slid off of his gloves. But, like, you'd rather he see kind of, like, palms it away or something. Like, he still probably should have saved it, but it seems like maybe that's what happened for him. He just didn't expect it. Yeah. So, I want to talk about, not the tactics, but kind of the atmosphere of the team. You mentioned it a bit earlier. This sort of individualistic style that we just kind of regressed to as the play continued. Um, seventh minute, first goal, that's really bad uh, for the U.S. because we've become this second-half team that uh, wants to, rather than take initiative, uh, almost come from behind usually and try to change the story as opposed to write it. And we went down a goal, and then we came on, in the second half, and it was just more of the same, just in a different flavor. Uh, it it was, I'm I'm struggling to come up with words because at at some point it was tough to watch. Polisic and McKenney especially kept running into each other, Blair, and I it was it was really 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 just Sunday league stuff. And um, I mean, like, do you think Polisic deserves a starting spot for the Honduras game at this point? He's in a really bad funk. Really bad funk. Yes, probably. I I think like you still have got to start him. I mean, Honduras is at home. Yeah, I I think you still you still probably. Well, I don't know. I mean, then again, you've got three games in six days or whatever it is. So maybe he he might not just because of you know sort of rotation and maybe there's some. I mean, Christian's a guy who's battled with injuries for. 
a good part of the season yeah, and yeah. for large parts of his career. So maybe he doesn't start just because of that, but I don't think I wouldn't, I don't think I would keep him on the bench just because of the funk. I think I would rather, I think I would probably just play him through it as a national team manager. If I was a, if I was a club manager, maybe I would sit him um, for a few games and right. I mean, I guess Greg's got to get the most out of him while he's here. Yeah. So I, I, I think that they've got to, they've got to use him however they can. And, you know, hopefully he can just, just like, you know, like a, uh, any kind of athlete who's having a, a slump with anything, you know, you kind of hope that they can just kind of play their way through it. And, you know, I mean, that's not, a, it's not a guarantee. So it's a bit of a risk you take, but yeah, I mean, like, I feel like the funk is coming from structural things. I mean, there's individual stuff happening, but there's like the individuals who are sort of failing inside of a failing structure uh, in some of these, in some of these moments in, in, in the Canada game, basically the entire match. So what about you? What do you think, Jacob? Should should he should he play next game? Yeah, I guess. Pulisic is suffering from the weight of the US on him and the pressure to find success at one of the most notoriously harsh clubs in the world, Chelsea. And he has to get through both of these things uh through a lens of not having qualified for the World Cup in 2018 as the focal point of the U.S. And so, obviously, he's human. I think this would get to anyone. I probably would have collapsed long ago if I was Christian Pulisic. So, I know I would. Yeah. And it, so, I'm, I'm not trying to paint this as like, ah, oh, Pulisic, you dumb boy. But it's just yeah, sure. this. It's, <laughs> it's frustrating to have one of those, on paper, one of the strongest squads we've ever had. Um, and then su- suffer to a two-year loss to Canada. That is not to say Canada is bad. Canada is on an incredible run. Uh, I think they're maybe at the peak of in in their national team history, and it's just incredible to watch them. Uh, most notably, uh, Milan Borjan, their goalkeeper, uh, who have been, pronounced, been pronouncing it Borjan this entire time, but I heard the announcer say Borjan, so here we go. Uh, he had an incredible game uh two amazing saves that might have either tied it or won it for the U.S. Um, also, uh, Sam Atakugbe, uh, a great, great left back for the national team. And then um, I want to give another special shout-out to uh, Jonathan David because 22-year-old from playing for Lille has strong links to you know all the big teams around, uh, lighting it up. And then Tejan Buchanan, we got to talk after class, man. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, he was feisty, <laughs> feisty, feisty Bruges boy. Uh, that him and Dest were kind of getting into it throughout the game. Um, yeah. So the USMNT, I don't know why I said that like that. I hate that. The, the, men, our, our, the men's national team has a lot of big timers on it. I feel. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of like uh, like t- Tyler Adams. Uh, Serginho Dest, Weston McKenney, like these guys are like really willing to like bump chests and like yeah. put put their chins up and like kind of do the thing. And Tejan Buchanan did so that was like the perfect foil for that because he was, I think, probably getting in a lot of their heads. Yeah. And it seemed like as the game went on and Tejan kept doing his antics, the players became more and more frustrated, and there was a lot more of these players trying to do like the special dribble moves that you try on FIFA and never work. Yeah. Weston McKenney has never struck me as a player who should be doing that. Yeah. It's he's that's just not him. He's a good player, but it's like, that's not, yeah, it's maybe, not his. maybe when he was coming up, you know, and he was just clearly better than everyone else. Cause he was a special talent, but now 
on the big stage, that's, you know, we're, that's just, I don't want, if you're doing that, I want us to be up three to nothing. Yeah, exactly. They, that's the thing is like, we show up to games like we're already up three to nothing. Yeah, exactly. Cause we don't do anything in the first half. Yeah. Anyway, why, why sell me on why? I don't even know if you take a stance on this. Sell me on why you'd start, start Jossie's artist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I okay I see I see him do things yeah. and I go like okay that's like number nine stuff you know but he it's just too infrequent from him and so like I, I don't know I I don't <laughs> I could I couldn't sell you this pen uh to be honest with okay. you like <laughs> um yeah and we desperately need the pen, so... <laughs> we do desperately need the pen. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I don't know. Why is Pepe not playing? I don't know, it's, man. That's weird to me, too. I don't know if there, he was carrying something coming back from Augsburg, or if there was... I, like, sometimes players coming back from Europe don't play the first game because there's the jet lag, and they have to get, you know, kind of... I don't know, whatever. They, they're just out of funk. And so they, they usually wait to play them in, like, the second or the third game of the break. But Pepe only got his, you know... Uh, substitution cameo late in the second half for 20 minutes or whatever it was so yeah i don't know i i feel like we kind of missed jordan p folk <laughs> that he you know he would have he would have been able to uh counter the buchanan mind fuck yeah because he yeah. plays with them yeah so yeah i'm not sure why p i i I don't, there might've been a legitimate reason why P folk wasn't, um, called up for, you know, a hundred reasons. It, can you think of a time that you've seen Jossie's artist at full sprint? No, it that, always that looks was, like he's casually jogging. Yeah. 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 It, it was, it was weird. Yeah. It was weird seeing him down the wings. I didn't, I, I, I don't know. No, I don't. <laughs> it's like, why is he so wide? You know, like, he I was like know. all the way out to the touchline. But he had a couple of moments where he was like, oh, that was a nice cross. Oh, wow. He, <laughs> he got past that guy somehow. Yeah. But it's like not like, go on, guys. He's like, oh, go on. Okay. We're here. Yeah. Yeah, it was strange. I mean, it, it, I don't know. What did you think? Because like we, we saw players kind of frequently switching switching sides of the field. You know, we've seen, yeah. we've seen Musa move, all, go all the way to the left. We saw McKenny go all the way to the right. Yeah. Aronson was dropping deep into the center circle at times. I mean, what do, you, do you think that's strategic or do you think those are players kind of doing this sort of marauding thing, trying to make something happen on their own? I, I watched all of El Salvador, USA against El Salvador, and the roles were so much clearer than McKenny was pretty much only on the right. Musa was pretty much only on the left. Same with Pulisic and same with Wea in that game. Uh, and, you know, Adam's operating as the facilitator between the two sides. And so when we know that we're better, right, it's just so clearly obvious that they play to their positions. And now I, once again, would like to preface, I don't know what Greg's telling these guys. So this could just genuinely be a difference in tactical styles but when we got to Canada McKenney was everywhere and that's not a bad thing because he's a midfielder and so some of that involves duties defensively and offensively so he had a decent game and same with Musa but the difference in the team as a whole just looked totally out of sync uh everyone was just it looked like they didn't know what to do I mean you would get situations where a player would be in alone that's McKenney's heat map 
Yeah, he, 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 up for he that's that is a crazy amount of distance covered. It's like a horseshoe. Yeah. It's just with the base of it at midfield. Or yeah, like the midfield line. It's like a horseshoe down the wings. <laughs> yeah, he was pretty much sticking to the sides a lot of the time. And like we, we noticed immediately in the second half where Burt Halter t- just shoved him way into the top left corner <laughs> yeah. with him and Polisic just kind of like bumbling around there trying to make something happen. Like as if yeah. the closer his two star players would be, the better it w- the team would operate as a whole. Or like something, <laughs> just something will happen. You know, like if you, um, if like you in Yu-Gi-Oh, you'd combine the two cards and like make a bigger monster card and the monster would be bigger and better and Yu-Gi-Oh would be like, ah, I'm going to use Pot of Dread to draw three more cards for my deck. <laughs> and then something might happen, but instead they just kind of kept running into each other and uh, faltering. <sighs> Trying to smash together two tritium atoms and see if you can get some electricity yeah, out of exactly. it. Exactly. It's just it didn't make a lot of sense. And I think Canada knew that and they just they capitalized on it. Yeah. They didn't have to score. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, it was like because that was like my question was like, do you think that the that Canada just had a really nice, solid defensive performance? Or do you think that the there was a structural problem with with the U.S. and the way that this conversation is going, I think I know the answer is. Yeah. Well, por que no los dos, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like too many times our players are marking themselves out, you know? Congratulations. You just marked yourself <laughs> Yeah, out. you just marked yourself. Yeah, and I don't know. That that seems bad. I feel like you got to work that out. If, if you're going to have overlaps, you got to make sure you know who, who the overlapping players are supposed to be. Who's the guy that's supposed to be, like, cutting inside to operate in, like, the fourth or fourth channel or whatever and who's supposed to be in the fifth channel it seemed like we, we had guys who were just right it, we had usually you want triangles and we had lines we had guys dotted a few yards apart from each other but they're in a, sequentially in a line which is weird on in a soccer field it doesn't look right at all no, and you know it's not flat. going to work when you see it so triangles are stronger than lines everyone knows this it's, it's the strongest it's shape. geometry <laughs> yeah and i i was saying i think i got but sidetrack but there were moments where we get stuck like they get that a player we get hounded by players and they try to dribble out of it because no one else was there yeah Everyone exactly else was like a mile away and they were all watching waiting anticipating something to happen maybe Polisic would you know teleport out of the triple team he's on and you know end up in the 18 to pass to Pepe who could just easily slot it but no of course he got dispossessed do you think we have not enough teleporters on our players? Yeah. <laughs> Do you think we have too many like creators and not enough like end product finishy guys? No, I don't. So look at I'm gonna I'm just gonna I'm looking at the starting lineup for Canada. Brandon Aronson is not a creator. He's a guy that receives it and does something with it, right? He's he's the runner. Yeah. He's a track star. <laughs> guys, he's artists. <laughs> Uh, he's definitely not a creator. We all know that one. He's definitely not. Yeah. yeah. Polisic, yes, obviously. McKenny, no. The almost the the purest definition of a box to box midfielder. But he's been, yeah. uh, he was operating as a creator this game. Yeah. Why? Who knows? Tyler Adams, CDM, obviously. Musa, attacking midfielder. He needs to be a creator. Um, yeah. Anthony Robinson, no, he's playing as a traditional full uh, modern fullback. So Serginho Dest. There's a conversation. Uh, <laughs> Chris Richards and Miles Robinson. No, they're center backs. Matt Turner. He did create the first goal indirectly, I guess. <sighs> I would like to apologize to Walker Zimmerman once again. Uh, I told Maddie that this was the clear uh, World Cup 
starting back line uh, for us against Canada. And look where that got us. Look where my um, hubris got me. Do you want to talk about Sergio Dust? I don't know. Sure. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the fullbacks. Okay. What, did you th- what did you think of the fullbacks' performance? I like Anthony Robinson okay. um, in this game and the game before. He is probably one of the most consistent United States team players. And he has demonstrated time and time again that he is the left choice first, the first choice left back spot. Serginho Dest likes to have the ball at his feet. Uh, Mm -hmm. Too much. Too much ball at his feet. And if we can get Serginho Dest to beat a man and then look to pass it instead of to continually dribble it to the center and then lose it, we might have a guy who can start creating goals as a right back. But until that happens, he's cool to look at for a couple seconds. I think we said this early in the last international break. We can't think of him as a defender. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. But if we think of him as an attacker, that's still not as great. Cause what has he done? Yeah. I'm looking, I'm going to look at his stats right now. He had zero shots off target, zero shots on target. You know, he wanted to shoot it. He just never got to that point. <laughs> yeah. There was always four Canada defenders around. Him. Yeah, he would, and he would dribble past one, and you'd have that moment of space. Mm-hmm. But he would think, "Yes, I can get closer to the goal now to shoot it." Not, I have a moment. Let's scan, look up, make a pass. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough. I'm, I'm, I am speaking from the heart here, not from the head. So, same. I feel like too often too, we have moments where we're getting like countered. And then we make it. We make the right defensive move. We get the ball back, but then we don't counter the counter. And I find that very frustrating. We like to recycle possession and like get our structure and our shape back. Yeah. And why? Why can't we run? Just run. <laughs> like we have we have runners in our team. Like you said, track stars. Yeah, we do. I don't know. I really don't. the The press was clear and obvious in El Salvador. Yeah. Against El Salvador, but against Canada, I. I don't know. I, I didn't see much of one. Yeah, it, it seemed like really disjointed. I think the, I think the game just it. yeah the game just broke down. And congrats congratulations to Canada. They are the clear first place team of the group. Yeah. Uh, obviously yeah. now, um, I think it's up to the U.S. to uh, vie for second place with Mexico right now. And I will be happy with a second place finish at this point. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Four games to go. Twelve points on the table. I anything kind of felt like it was going to happen. I don't know. Going into it, I was like, I don't know. I did. You asked, the score, you asked for a score line. I said one zero to the U.S. because I was putting on my Homer hat. But yeah. kind of felt like this was going to happen. To be honest with you, I thought maybe naively that because Alfonso Davies was out um, as their giant attacking threat, <laughs> uh, that the U.S. could deal with the rest of them. Yes, both of them. Yeah, looking at looking at the the team sheets going into the game is like okay that I, seems okay yeah he's an artist yeah, okay sure. yeah that's it that was it it was it i was like miles robinson yes but that was it honestly i don't know maybe if turner had saved that this entire conversation would be different but yeah could be greg shoes against el salvador or greg shoes against canada uh i don't know what was he wearing versus el salvador i don't remember those he was wearing some red shoes those ones they won that game so <laughs> okay i kind of like the blue ones 
Um, I noticed whenever Greg tried to pass it, you would, instead of relishing that moment, you would turn your head and cry. You get to do that when you're like really good. Okay. But when you're like just kind of eh at the moment, I don't want antics. I want just clean cut, straight, straight shooting stuff. Just what if, what if it's passes. just who he is? Yeah. He just can't help it. The essence of Greg. Yeah. Is the behind the back pass with the soccer ball. Yeah. Um, you think, <laughs> you think he plays basketball a lot? Yeah. Okay. Probably. I, he probably does. I think his basketball team name is probably called the essence of Greg. <laughs> <laughs> essence by Greg. Yeah. <laughs> it's his band name. Like anything that you can think of. He just got essence by Greg. Yeah. For when the moment calls for it. For when the United States needs you. Give it your essence. I feel like, I don't know. Essence by Greg. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh. I just stepped all over you finishing that joke. I'm sorry. But uh, I feel like when living in New York, you get a ton of Broadway commercials, but I also feel like I get, we get a lot of those like hypersexual, uh, like cologne and perfume yeah. commercials. You're not sure if it's uh, how it feels to chew five gum or yeah. if it's a cologne commercial, <laughs> yeah. but it's just, it's there and you just got to wait till the, it's like when, you get that weird Apple commercial, mm-hmm. but you don't know it's an Apple commercial yeah. until the yeah. like that very end. Just the Apple logo pops up and that's it. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, mm, I guess I'll remember it, but okay. Yeah. I feel like that's what I'm, I'm picturing. Like Greg Berhalter is like walking yeah. in just like just a pair of jeans <laughs> and he's like walking down Wall Street Shirtless. or something. Yeah. You know, that's a Times Square ad. Just like the big, the, one of the big screens. It's just Greg. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's the essence by yeah. Greg. Yeah. Or it's like him holding the ball. It's, it's him mid-pass behind the back. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. shirtless. He's got these joggers and maybe the shoes. Oh yeah, the shoes. Yeah, and then he's got then the the, yeah, the yeah. product. <laughs> <laughs> At Greg Berhalter. Greg, man, if you need a line of cologne for sports guys, or does is is it active wear cologne? Are those the things? Active wear cologne. You know, you get know. like it is now. That I I know playing basketball in high school that there were certain players that we'd play against that smelled like shit. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know what been, product they were yeah, using, but it worked, man. You did not want to be like bumping into them in the paint or anything. It was like uh, nasty. Yeah, They're always so sweaty. You know, your bo as a teenager, it's just off the charts. Oh, it's crazy. awful. It's yeah. awful. I don't know. Your body's like working extra hard to, <laughs> to grow, and so therefore you're gonna have to smell like shit for a yeah. few years, son. Are you excreting mold? Like what is happening? Uh okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, Blair, you want to just give me a hypothetical rundown of who you think should start for Honduras? Yeah. I'm going to tell you one thing. What's up? Won't be Gazzy's artist. Mm-mm-mm. Let's go Peppy. Nail it on right now. Peppy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's do Zimmerman. Walker Zimmerman, baby. And he Although, I feel like, yeah, I, yeah. Let's do, let's, do, let's do Zimmerman. I'm going to stick with Anthony uh, at left back. Naturally. I mean, I guess you have to you have to go Miles still. Miles Robinson, okay. He didn't have a great game though. I, th- I thought he was pretty poor today. I think you have to go Miles because Chris Richards walked off the field injured. Mm-hmm. You have to go Miles. Maybe maybe Reggie Cannon does get a start. That's what I was gonna say. I say start Reggie Cannon over Dest to see how, we'll see what happens. Just yeah. see what happens. If not, you know, you can sub Dest back on, and then he plays with a chip on his shoulder because he was a sub and not a starter. Yeah. 
I think those are like the, that would be like the big change. I think I would bring on Zimmerman and then I would try Cannon and then uh, we also lost Adams too. So and to an injury, I don't know how serious That's that was. That's true. That's true. So who do we want there? Not who will start. Who should start? Yeah. <sighs> not a not a deep bench here. It's not. I would say maybe De La Torre. That's kind of who I was leaning towards as well. Okay. I I think that like it seems like he's been getting well he's only had one appearance but and one substitute appearance I know I just I don't, don't want to start killing Acosta I'm just trying to stay away from him and that yeah and he, Acosta seems like he's kind of Bear Helper's preference I know came on I don't this game. I don't understand it yeah I just want to I want to know I that's it I just want to make it clear I think I think I keep the rest pretty much the same. If you want that Pulisic, um, would you, who'd you say? Uh, Pepe Aronson? Yeah. Okay. I think that's fine. Cool. That's great. So let's just run through that real quick. It's Pulisic, Pepe, uh, Aronson, uh, McKenney, De La Torre, Musa, Anthony Robinson, Walker Zimmerman, Miles Robinson, Reggie Cannon, Matt Turner. Matt Turner. Okay. Yeah. I'll say Sean Johnson just for the... Sean Johnson. Yeah. Sean Johnson! <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, cool, 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 cool. We are going to exit the United States zone. You are now leaving uh, USMNT station. Yeah. Choo-choo. Choo-choo. <laughs> <laughs> Big news in the transfer world. Big news, some big players. Dejan Kulisevsky to Tottenham Hotspur. Those Tottenham boys are back at it again. Uh, Dejan Kulisevsky, attacker for a little team called Juventus, has recently transferred to Tottenham Hotspur. Big trouble in little Juventus. Yes, and this is actually a pretty, in my opinion, big move for Tottenham fairly quickly um, given the events that contextualize this. But I, I watch Juventus fairly frequently. Dejan sometimes gets a start. Uh, he's a pretty young Swede, and he, he's very, very big, and, but, but good on the ball still. He, I think, will be a great signing for Tottenham because this seems like a great purchase. I mean, Blair, what do you think? Yeah, young player, going to be motivated. Interesting move from Tottenham because it seemed like they needed wingbacks this window. Mm -hmm. So not sure what the plan will be for him. I don't think they'll be using that wingback, but hey, crazier things have happened. He, I've Everything I've heard about him because he's had some links to Arsenal is that he's like a pretty high motor player. And just looking at his FP ref, the green bars, if you will, he has he's like pretty high in the percentiles for, for pressures and tackles. Um and I feel like that'll fit pretty well in a Conte system. I imagine that Conte will be getting a lot out of him. So, I don't know. I think he's a interesting player um, and probably will fit into that team fairly well. So, good move, in my opinion. Buy young talent. That's a good way of going about things. A player with that cool green bar analysis, as yeah. we call it here in the studio. Yeah. It's got the green bars uh, popping. Conte is kind of that cool coach you want as a for a young high motor player, isn't it? It's like the perfect 
guy you want tutoring or you know mentoring that sort of stylistic mm-hmm. play. It's interesting from Spurs because they are also getting uh, Bettenker, who's a midfielder for Juventus. Wait, they're getting Ben Tecker? Yeah, is that Ben Tecker? Are they really? When I did that so. happen? Is that official? Let me double check. I don't think it's official now. Okay. They're in talks, so, so that's not official. Well, they've got, they've got, don't have a ton of time. They don't have a ton of time. I think it's interesting that their director, football fellow, Pedericci, who came from Juventus, is targeting former players that he bought at Juventus. Well, it makes some sense, I guess. Hey, I know a guy. Yeah. So watch this space as you will. Jacob, do you want to move on to the next one? I think you might be excited about this one. Luis Diaz. Baby, here we go. Colombian international Porto sensation. Luis Diaz (laughs) is a Liverpool player. Is a Liverpool player. Yes, official as of today or yesterday. Can't remember. Doesn't matter. You know why? He's going to fucking light up the league, dude. Luis Fernando Diaz. Saw a cool highlight reel of him because I don't watch Porto. Sorry, you don't watch. <laughs> you don't watch porno? <laughs> porto. This, this highlight reel is kind of looking like porno. <laughs> no, he is. Uh, he's very. He's he's strictly a left winger, but he uh, he's so so good on the ball, so fast, great finishing. So Maybe he should, you know, get a visa for the US, I don't know. Anyway, he's he's going to be a great way to introduce the the new generation, the next wave of players as the fabled front 3 of Mane, Firmino, Salah, eventually Ajon as you know everyone does. So, they snubbed Tottenham I believe, but they had been scouting him for some time, so I don't think it's a snub so much as uh, we've been looking at you for a while, and here's our offer. And then Luis Diaz was like, oh, great. I would prefer Liverpool over Tottenham because who wouldn't? And uh, (laughs) then they signed him for about 50 million pounds, I want to say. This is very exciting. He had 14 league goals this year so far in not as many minutes as the last two seasons. Uh, he's He exploded this year. I think he had six goals the season before and six the season before that. So he's really improved. Uh, he's 24, 25? 25. 25. He was born in 97. And he uh, he's just really, really fun to watch. If you just There's like a eight-minute highlight reel or something on YouTube, and he's just so good. <laughs> so good. How many times did you watch it? It doesn't matter how many times I watched it. <laughs> so, two questions, Jacob. Yeah, what's up? What does this mean for Sadio Mane, if anything, in, in your mind? That's uh, Well, for one, Senegal, I think, went through on the the game today in AFCON. Uh, they did. They beat Equatorial Guinea 3-1. So, Sadio Mane is staying in Africa for at least till the next game. So, depending on how quick Luis Diaz can ramp up here, he could start you know, next week, which would be great. However, Mane has the proven starter and you can't just, you can't just tell Mane, Hey, you're not starting anymore. We just bought a new guy. You know, that's not how seniority works. So I think it's going to be a bit of a competition. Who knows? There might even be a, a positional 
um, restructure for Diaz to somewhere else on the field. But to have Mane, Firmino, Salah, then Yota, and uh, Diaz as these uh, secondary offensive players is great. And then to have Origi and Minamino as the cupcake guys, <laughs> um, that'd be, I think that's really, really good from Liverpool. Uh, great signing, in my opinion as a non-biased member of this podcast towards Liverpool. I don't know. I'm, I'm really excited about this. Liverpool, this is totally not part of their normal operating procedure. They do not sign players in January. Mm-hmm. So this this was surprising to me when I saw the headline about a week ago that Liverpool were, I think the headlines were saying, gazumping yeah, uh, Tottenham. Yep. It's very English. And yeah. So it was just very surprising to see. I really didn't think anything of it until... You know, everyone was saying this is basically done, which, you know, it's great. I'm very happy. Let's move on. I've just been Callum Chambers at some Villa player. <laughs> yeah. Big moves. Yeah. I just, I wanted to get this one because that's kind of like a, a move away from Arsenal. So what's, what's the deal there? Aston Villa have been making just plays. Dude, I, I kind of worry about them, to be honest with you. I feel like they're very much towing the line between having good, useful squad depth and squad bloat. Okay. So I think Aston Villa need to be careful because before too long, they're going to need a bigger belt. Anyway, Cal Chambers. How how much do you think their owner's worth? Something in the billions. I'm going to go like $9 billion. Wild guests don't even know who it is. I mean, you're pretty much bang on. So it's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> just to get i just pulled the number out yeah i let me hang on let me get the aston villa is owned by two people nasaf saueris and wesley edens for a total of 9.9 billion dollars us okay my concern is less with not with villa's money oh but more with because their owners are rich yeah it's just more with like how big of a squad they're carrying. So like I feel like what Arsenal have done in this window is sell every player we have. And um, part of the problem with the team was that we had too many players. So that was creating some issues and preventing us to do things in the windows uh, in previous summers. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Callum Chambers, who came from Arsenal, has had a bit of a journeyman's career with Arsenal to date. He's, he was an academy kid though, right? Yes. Okay. And he uh, had a couple, he had a loan spell, I believe, with Fulham, where he played like a defensive midfield position. He's played at right back for us. He's played at center back for us. Kind of another one of those guys who never really, uh, I don't know, had like a super nailed on position with the club, kind of like Smith Rowe. Had some bright spells, had some pretty poor performances. This one's kind of random, though. It came out of nowhere. There was like not even a single inkling that this was going to take place, this sale. Um, so I think it took a lot of Arsenal fans off guard. But I'm not like super sad to see him go. Good for Villa, I guess. You've got some more depth at maybe a few positions uh, with Chambers. but So you, you weren't particularly attached to this player. As a, he, is he not like a fan... No, I think the fans liked him. I mean, I I I liked him as a as a player, but I didn't think he was like super great. Maybe somebody who I would have preferred to have as our left back or right back option over, over Cedric. Okay, that's not saying much. No, it's not. Okay, no, it's not. Um, he had a really good performance in the ten man uh, game against Liverpool in uh, Carabao Cup. 
So that was his most recent appearance, I believe, for so, Arsenal. Good playing time. Uh, some more. Develop. He's a twenty-one. No, he's like twenty-seven. Oh my! Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking he was a kid this entire time. No, no. Um, no. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess get some more playing time, or maybe a pay raise. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I'm not really sure. You know, Aston Villa are actually the fifth richest team in the league. No, I didn't know that. He actually came out of uh, Southampton's academy. Who are, you know, checking that. Uh, I did not know that. They're just behind number four. Who do you think that is? <laughs> number four will shock you. <laughs> oh, probably Arsenal. Yeah. 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 10.7. Yeah, that's crazy to me. With uh, Chelsea at a cool uh, 14.6 billion at number three. Uh, Manchester City at 20 billion, number two. In Newcastle. <laughs> Five hundred billion dollars. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> just absurd. Just absurd. Source of, so source of wealth, uh, according to Wikipedia, for Newcastle is just sovereign wealth. <laughs> it's just like I don't fucking know. Yeah, right. Figure it out. Manchester well. City's is blank. Like, yeah. uh, <laughs> I mean, like it's just you know, look at them. Um, uh, uh, Aston Villa is investment in industry as well as Fortress Investment Group, uh, an American investment management firm based in NYC. Okay, they own castles. They own castles in NYC, <laughs> you know. Anwar El Ghazi to Everton. I just put that there because that's kind of a big deal. Uh, El Ghazi is going to get some playing time for Everton, who is struggling at the moment. I think that's going to be good for their midfield. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Uh, Sebastian Soto. I'm taking that before the big international transfers because he's an American player mm-hmm. uh, from at Norwich, but he is uh, on loan at Livingston, which uh, not Sean. Uh, he is in the Scottish Premiership. Uh, on loan, an attacker. Uh, he featured this summer in the Gold Cup. Oh yeah, uh, he's, he's he's decent. You know, get some playing time. Maybe the, the striker position is open. Okay, so just come on down. We'll, we're accepting applications. Anyway, international transfers that might interest you. Uh, a certain Anthony Martial to Sevilla. Anyone? 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 Yeah, sure. I think that's fine. That's a good move. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, like uh, starter. Uh, you know, Marshall's been toted as as this guy that thrives when the manager pays special attention to him. And as a guy at Manchester United, obviously he wouldn't get that because uh, of the constant managerial changes that this team's undergone. He's been there. Uh, what is he? Twenty seven now. Uh, I think I thought. He's 26. I have him up. He joined in 2015-16. Yeah, so he's been there like seven years. So, mm-hmm. long time. I don't know. Do you think this is a Sevilla trying to make a push for number one in La Liga? Yeah, exactly. Take a punt on Martial, see if it works out? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yep, I think they're trying to motor on up the table as far as they can get. They feel like they've got a shot at this thing, and they're going to add some talent in there to bolster their attack. I think uh, one one striker they had, Yusuf and uh, Naziri. El Naziri, yeah. Or, yeah, he's, I think, carried some injuries this year, and he yeah. generally has been a good player for them up top, but hasn't played a ton <coughs> this season for them. So, so perhaps yeah. they're just trying to cover for him. Same with um, Munir Al-Hadidi. He is a Moroccan international. Mm-hmm. Plays for, well, he's in the F, was in the AFCON. Did was, Morocco yeah. go out? Yeah. Uh, Barcelona product, uh, but he um, he's going to be coming back, but he just hasn't popped off at Sevilla like maybe a lot of people thought he would. So um, hopefully, I don't know. I mean, I hope Sevilla win it, honestly. So 
I, I just want to see someone else outside of Madrid or uh, Barcelona win La Liga. Yeah, that'd be cool for and sure. It's not Atletico Madrid this year, so. Adama Traoria, Barcelona. Speaking of La Liga business, La Masia products, Barcelona youth, uh, Wolverhampton. I mean, Wolverhampton. Uh, yeah, Wolverhampton Wanderer uh, Adama Traore, uh comes back. The prodigal son returns as a right wing back. <laughs> Adama Traore truly had like the superhero return where he left like kind of a skinny ish kid yeah he went away for summer camp one day yeah and he came back a man yeah he went and did his mountaintop training and he came back and now he's just i'm a man mama i crush people between my thighs now (laughs) yeah so uh yeah adama traore truly has done the the superhero plot line i take Um, baths in hot oil (laughs) yes sure (laughs) i thought this quote was interesting in the uh, athletic article I read about some of Barcelona's moves. Uh, Xavi is more in the Barcelona with players he wants than his predecessor Ronald Koeman was, says a source. In this process of rebuilding the club, they're interested in players who know it already and will be able to adapt to it more easily. So, basically, Barcelona are bringing back the cast-offs from La Masia or from the squad of yeah, yesteryears. I mean, to get the band back together. <laughs> what do you think of that as a a philosophy? I mean, for them? it makes sense if you. It's just like kind of intuitive. Like, hey, we've got this world-renowned academy, La Masia, mm-hmm. and we're just using it as crowdsourcing for other players that we're buying. Um, I would rather like, <laughs> yeah, I guess everyone was up in arms about Morale and Pjanic because. They bought him for who knows why, and then he just kind of bumped around in the team for a little bit, then fucked off to Turkey, I think. Um, he went to Juve, right? He came oh, from wait, Juve. He came from Juve, yeah, and then he went, yeah, he went to Turkey. Because yeah. they're like, yeah. we'll trade you one Arthur Melo, hashtag Barca DNA, yeah. and then we'll take one Marlon Pjanic, because that's a fun name. And so it's, I, I just, it, it seemed kind of... Uh, Random to me. Um, outside of the money laundering thing that people were, you know, yeah, because they're on eerily about. similar contracts yeah, and wages. Yeah. <laughs> Besides that, because you know, I, I'm not a big crime syndicate boss, so I don't really know much about that. But uh, it just seems like um, Barca were signing big, big names because we need people around Messi to win it all. And yeah. now that Messi's gone, Barca realize, hey, we're more than just. A mess, a un club or whatever. Mess, k un club, more than a club, and mm. um. So Moss. that's that, right? I don't know. It's their Live it's Moss. their saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's like painted on the bleachers in their stadium, and they're more they're more than a club, um, more than a, more than Messi. So obviously they're getting back to their La Masia roots to 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 create this this inspired Croyfian club that will uh, obviously live beyond the players. So yes. Good okay. for them. Here's a question. Yeah. Or, or a request. Can you describe in one sentence the traditional Barcelona way of playing soccer? Yeah. Circa what? Uh, like the most recent iteration of... Uh, tiki-taka? You know, tiki-taka, yeah. The mo- like, wait, you mean like what Pep... When they're talking about getting back to Barcelona DNA. Yeah. What is that? What is their style? So, 
you talked about triangles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what Tiki Taka, do you, wait, do you want me to explain what Tiki Taka is? So here's my thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I was thinking about Tiki Taka yeah. and I was thinking about a diamond trail, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I, so I was yeah. trying to contrast how, how Tiki Taka and Adama Traore come yeah. together to form a beautiful partnership. Yeah. I mean, it's so like, it's not obviously it's Adama. When you think of Tiki Taka, you think of, you think of the 2005, no, two, sorry, 2010 Spanish national team or like, you know, the Barcelona team that Pep. Mm-hmm created or yes. I should say inherited after he graduated <laughs> from Barcelona B and um you know stormed the world with and so that's obviously not what Adama Traore is. Adama Traore is a fucking brick shit house. Yeah. And so he's gonna he, that that that's part of the asset he brings to the table is you know being able to truck players off the ball <laughs> yeah. and you know dribble into spaces where other players couldn't get past a player. But he can still be a part of a system but just be a different flair of a player. So it's I think what Chevy wants to do is to talk, sit, Adama, let's sit down, let's talk. And, uh, you know, talk to him about what his duty in the role of the squad is if he becomes a starter. At Wolves, he, I, th- I think you just said this, he was a marauder. He, he just went up the field and he did his thing and then he would shoot a ball into the stands. Yeah, exactly. I don't have. I, I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not the player that Chevy was. I don't have the brain that Chevy does. I don't have any coaching experience. But as someone who sits and watches a lot of soccer as a layman, I would just tell Adama, "You're you pass. You dribble. You don't shoot. Mm-hmm. You don't even cross." Yeah. So you 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 take the ball. You drive with it and you lay it off to someone. Just as a start. Once we get a system down, this will work great. Chevy has only been in the job. For what? Three months? Four yeah, months? Something like that. Yeah. Anyway, he he just needs to get a system down because, like, it's not he's not gonna tiki taka isn't a thing anymore, right? Because it's 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 it was a style of play that evolved in the soccer world and took it by storm and was incredibly wildly successful. So everyone adopted it. So now it's just about how we move around the ball uh, now. And I think uh, we talked about how. Chavi operated in Qatar uh, with the Qatar Stars. What was the team he had? It was the is El Saad. El Saad, yeah. <clears throat> and so he's going to design the team that way. Yeah, it's going to be. It's going to. He's going to design around the team like that. It's not. Yeah, I, I think you are right that Barcelona style football is more of a buzzword at this point. But uh, Chavi is. Inherently a Barcelona player, he was their number six for years. Yeah, and so like that was what I was saying it was like maybe like when they hired Xavi, Xavi is going to try to build Barcelona in the image of the teams he was on for Barcelona. And then I was trying to picture like Adama being, Adama like, being yeah, yeah. I mean like you've got gruff figures right that do it. I mean I don't Carlos Puyol is like one of the bigger ones that he was just this like Hulk of a center back who had this long hair and he was like no nonsense and he was you know just really gruff and that's. You know, I mean, Adama's a midfielder or a offensive player. <laughs> yeah, he's, <laughs> he's something. He's a flex he, position. He, he's a guy. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I don't know, but Barcelona will be interesting to watch for the six months he's there if he doesn't stay. Yeah, I, I would love to watch that. Yeah, you talked to Arsenal Blair. Any merit? No, his his car no. was spotted in London. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> there was a picture. I saw it. <laughs> the Arsenal fans are they're, they're crazy. I don't know. <laughs> I, I saw know. it. it was, the, the shit that they were that was going around. We on had a Twitter man on the scene. Was unbelievable. <laughs> this the internet flu thing that was happening. I couldn't I couldn't believe my eyes. Um, it was almost as bad as as the Tottenham fans bullying a kid off of joining them their their uh, academy because they found some unsavory. So what is it about North London to, clubs and detective work? They're 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 they were ravenous on, online yesterday, and it's kind of crazy, man. Because like that most likely ninety nine percent is not Alexander Isak's car. He was spotted in London, but like that doesn't mean anything. No, it was the same color. <laughs> but like it there was like so there's like bandy license plate right that this car has as a rolls royce driving around north london and it was pictured like near this near the old highbury stadium and it, the vanity license plate was one five like isaak so it looks like it says isaac and so everyone's like that's alexander isaac he just registered a new car in london which means he's coming to arsenal the deal hasn't been announced yet but they're waiting for the last day of the window and that is, it's just insane because they're basically what it functionally, what they're doing is tracking a private citizen's movements around London. And also, uh, when, when they're registering their vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, I don't think there's any merit to it. They would have to pay his release clause from all of the rumors. And that release clause is almost a hundred million euros. I don't see us forking over cash for this player at this time. I think so. What you're saying is it's just a loan. <laughs> the car <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay so isak that's not how, i genuinely didn't know that was a vanity plate thing that was going on yeah it was just like someone's like car vanity like they had a custom license Damn. plate you know that shows you that you shouldn't just read the headlines kids you should actually read the article and maybe you'll learn something um that's 90 percent of my research anyway donnie van de beek to maybe everton or maybe crystal palace for a six-month loan spell away from manchester united thoughts Opinions, stances, Blair. Is this... Will Donnie Van de Beek play more than zero minutes? 30 seconds? How long has he played at... How many minutes has he gotten at Manchester United? Do you want to take a bet on over-under? Yeah, because you can access this. Let, um, let me set it at over-under. Let me set it at 120 minutes. For the Premier League or For all, this season. Uh, all let's, games. Let's say Premier League. Gotta be under. Okay, and then do you want to do one for all competitions? Yeah, I would say I would. <laughs> it's crazy that I have to consider this. Uh, I would say under as well. In the Premier League this season, he's played seventy-five minutes. <sighs> oh, I'm screwed. Then he's totally. But played. he's played two hundred four Champions League minutes. So that's he's played like more Champions League minutes than Premier League minutes. Yeah, <laughs> he has eight. Premier League matches played in 75 minutes. 30 second intervals. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy to me. Okay. Um, personally, I think he would be a great signing uh, for Everton. I think Crystal Palace don't need him. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Cool. Uh, By speaking the way, of Arsenal rumors... <laughs> I'm just spitballing here. Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. Yes. Yeah, so we were just talking about Barcelona DNA. <laughs> Pierre Emerick Aubameyang to Barcelona. Uh, commonly, a Barca player through and through. Blair, what are, you, what are your thoughts? This has become a gossip podcast, dude. I don't know. Arsenal, like it, it feels weird what we've done this window. 
I'm like kind of concerned about it because I don't think we're going to bring anyone in by the end of day tomorrow. And it seemed like we needed to add a couple of players if we really wanted to compete for the rest of the season uh, at the same level. And we're not doing that. So like Oba to Barcelona is another one of those things because it would leave us with two strikers, both of whom are running out their contracts and will be gone at the end of the season. Nketiah will be gone at the end of the season? Yeah. He might be. He, there was rumors that he might go to Newcastle this this window. Really? Yeah. Wha- so Arsenal have sold a lot of players <laughs> or have just gotten rid of them. We, okay. I, I don't know. So, yeah, it, it would be an interesting one because we wouldn't have much squad depth at the striker position unless they're planning on transitioning like Martinelli to a more central role or something or using him there in a pinch. So, yeah, don't know about this one. From the Barcelona side, there's a useful player, uh, Pierre-Henri Aubameyang. I think I think he might be able to. Do you think get some goals for them? You think Pierre needs to stay for Arsenal to compete? I mean, he's probably not going to play. Okay, but if we needed somebody to play, it would be nice to have case, him as an option in case malaria hit the squad. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know. I mean, it seems like he's just so far on the outs with the, with the team that it's like, if him is is him staying really going to be like a safety net? Probably not. So. Just for those who are listening, the players that have left Arsenal are Ainsley Maitland-Niles to Roma, mm-hmm. Callum Chambers to Aston Villa, yep. Sead Kolasinic, which surprised me, to Marseille, mm-hmm. and Pablo Marie to Nice. Mm-hmm. And then I believe Dejan Ilyev, the oh. 26-year-old goalkeeper, is run off his contract and is no longer part of the club. So Yeah, we ran him out of town. Yeah, actually, there was a very sweet, heartfelt message from him about how he'll always be an Arsenal fan, and it was very nice because oh. he he was never even close to the first team. But like, uh, <laughs> he wore the badge. He did, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was cool. It was the honor of his life to play for the club or something. So that is crazy that you sold three of these guys on free transfer. <laughs> yeah, paying people to leave is our mo these days. <sighs> that sucks. Um, yes. Okay. Well, I didn't realize. I thought Arsenal had signed somebody, but that was wrong. I was wrong. Um, we okay. signed. Uh, we signed uh, um, a new guy. No, I got a joke here. Wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. I have something for this. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we didn't sign anybody. So we're, we're so screwed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Blair, I'm done. What do you want? <laughs> Bye. <laughs> okay. I'm done um, too. Okay. Let's great. Done. This has been a good episode. You can find us on uh, Instagram at Plastics Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at The Plastics Pod. Yes. And then you can email us any questions you may have at plasticspodcontact at gmail.com. Okay, Blair, do you have anything to add? Close with thoughts. Congratulations to the city of Cincinnati. You did it. Did they win? They won in overtime. <laughs> We had to miss a great game, uh, a, a great AFC championship game uh, with the uh, Cincinnati Bengals Chiefs. Yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations to Cincinnati. Um, yeah. All roads lead to Ohio. Let's go Rams. Um, okay. But that's yes. <laughs> Thanks, Blair. Thanks, Thank Jake. you, Maddie. Thanks, me. Uh, we will see you all. On the flippity flop. On the f- <laughs> <laughs> see you on the flippity flop warehouse. <laughs>